Hello, this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassTenor.com. Today is Thursday, November 2nd, 2017. This is episode 134. Critical tips for beginning percussion students. In my last episode, you'll notice that the topic was critical tips for beginning band students. And I incorrectly did not state at the start of the topic, or the podcast episode I should say, that I'd be discussing only woodwinds and brass for that session. This one is going to focus strictly on percussion. I want to give you just a little bit about my background when it comes to percussion. I am not a percussionist. I've never tried to be a percussionist or act like a percussionist. But I certainly know how percussion students tend to think, how percussion students tend to behave, and different types of strategies that I've employed for percussion students to be successful. I'm very proud to say that I've had a lot of percussion students that I've started and mentored for their first five to six years who have gone on to very high-ranking honor ensembles and also went on to very successful musical careers as drummers. So with that said... I by no means have all of the answers and I'm not here to try to act like a percussion expert because I'm not one. I give full credit where credit is due, particularly with with students who I have found to be exceptionally gifted and made sure that they started studying with instructors who would be able to take them to the next level. But with all of that said, I'd like to talk about teaching beginning percussion students much more so for the student who really doesn't have any particular ambitions of becoming a professional percussionist, but much more so they have an enjoyable experience and they're doing things correctly. So some critical tips here are going to go a little bit further than the woodwinds and the brass because I think percussion is certainly a very, very different animal. For starters, I feel very, very strongly that students should be learning all of the parts for any band pieces that you're doing in school. They should know all of the parts. This means that when you're distributing parts, you're making sure that everybody in the ensemble is able to play the snare part, the bass part, and any other percussion to related parts included. Now, some directors will also insist on mallets. I am one of those people, but I completely understand if you're in a situation or in a district where you cannot afford for everyone to be able to play mallets, students can't afford bell kits, uh, or, or quite honestly, 
it's a lot of extra effort and practice that some students frankly don't have. One thing to always remember about percussion that you can never forget, when you're dealing with percussion, if you get right down to it, they're not playing one instrument. They're playing many, many, many instruments. And you're asking a lot of any percussionist to be able to play the snare drum, the bass drum, cymbals, triangle, tambourine, claves, the list goes on and on. There's so many different instruments they need to play. And nobody is great at all of them. There are certain instruments that they're going to be better at than others. So with that said, in terms of the tips and in terms of the things that we need to provide as percussion instructors, as teachers, and for the students just to be aware. Any part, any part, even if it's a triangle part, even if it's a crash cymbal part, I always encourage beginning students to play all of the parts on whatever drum they practice on. In most cases, some type of a drum pad. I feel very, very strongly about that. What you can do to add creativity is I will have the snare part played on the pad and maybe half of the class will play it on the pad. The other half of the class will play the bass drum part, but perhaps they play it on the rim. So you can hear a distinct difference in, in the sound. Find out who's counting. It is absolutely essential that as early as possible, as early as possible in their development, that you have them not all playing the same part. Percussionists, some percussionists are very, very, it's very, very daunting for them. And it's very overwhelming for them when they're trying to play their snare drum part and somebody else is playing the bass drum part. It's unbelievably confusing for many students. So with that in mind, I cannot stress enough the exploring as many parts being played in the group as possible. If you do this during their lessons and you practice the snare part with a bass part being played, with a triangle part being played, with a tambourine part being played, and maybe the triangle, they're clicking their sticks together, and maybe the tambourine, they're hitting the side of their pad, or whatever the case may be, it does not matter at all what they ultimately do. Here's what matters, is that they, they have many different parts going on at the same time and their ears can start adjusting, starting to get used to all of these sounds around them. No section is more important in the band to do that. And one of the reasons why my band rehearsals have always come together pretty quickly and why band pieces are learned pretty quickly is because of my percussionists because they drive, they, they, they're the ones that are the engineers. They, they are the one, they are the, the, the head locomotive, the only locomotive, I should say, of, of the, the, the group. Whereas other kids can be in the caboose and they'll be just fine coming along for the ride. But you can't have a, a, a caboose player playing the cymbals. That's not gonna fly. And certainly not on an important instrument like the bass drum. 
You need to make sure, and young percussionists need to understand the importance of the bass drum part. Everybody wants to play the snare drum. Everybody wants to play the snare drum. It's considered to be the most important part. I stress to my students the importance of the bass drum part. That bass drum part is everything. And my bass drum players, I treat them like royalty. And I stress to them the importance of the part. I even go so far to make sure the band even knows how important that bass drum player is. I'll go back to stories about the highest paid member of, of the Sousa band. All of, this, all of Sousa's, John Philip Sousa's uh, bands over the years. The bass drummer was the highest paid player with good reason. So it is absolutely critical that that distinction is made, that students are, are fully aware of the bass drum part in relation to the entire band, and it's the glue. Rotating the instruments, specifically rotating the players on those different instruments. No one player should be playing on one instrument the entire time. If that has happened, then the teacher has failed on some level because it, there should never be any situation where someone is playing the snare drum part the entire time. That only happens if you only had three drummers to begin with and two of them are just dreadful. If you have several percussionists in your group, rotate the parts. I have always felt very strongly about two people playing on the snare drum at the same time. Now, in terms of more technical things with different percussion instruments, things to keep in mind. Here are some of the tips going on a bit further than discussing part assignments. First of all, stick technique. I'm not going to get into where exactly the hand should be. It's very, very difficult to be listening to a podcast and trying to envision where the stick should be held. I'm not going to go into that. There are too many videos out there, and that's definitely much more a visual thing than listening to some guy ramble about it in an episode. But what I will say is that directors they, they simply neglect the technique. It, it seems that directors teach the students how to hold the sticks and we work on it for the first month and then we forget about it altogether. You've got to be on their case. You've got to make sure that they're holding the sticks the way that they were meant to be held. Please make sure that students who are holding their, their mallets, that their, their index fingers are not sticking out. I see that all the time. The mallet should be held in a very similar manner to the drumsticks. And once again, I understand, I know there are percussionists, passionate ones out there. They may disagree with me and say, well, no, that's not entirely true. But without, again, getting too anal with this particular situation, if you do hold the mallets comparable to how you would hold drumsticks, the students are going to be just fine. Now, when it comes to the crash symbols, you have to make it very clear to, to students because they're, they're so heavy, okay? Crash symbols are such heavy instruments. Because they're such heavy instruments, it's so important that they understand that both symbols should not be moving at the same time. One symbol is stationary, the other hand strikes. 
and encourage students. If you, if you, as many of us are righties, if we keep on showing them that we strike the symbols with a predominant right hand, some students who are shy and they're impressionable, they may think to themselves, well, I guess I'm supposed to always hit it with my right hand, uh, uh, my, my, uh, the right hand myself. And they may very, be very self-conscious about hitting it with their left hand. Absolutely let them know that the dominant hand for them should be striking the symbol. One needs to be completely, absolutely still. When you're demonstrating the symbols, when you're playing the symbols, do them in slow motion. Show that it's like two plates hitting together and one is almost, it's almost as if one is just going across and, and, and do it in a very slow motion way as if the, the edge of the plates are striking at the, at the beginning. Then there's one point where the plates almost come completely together where, the, where everything is shut. But what I would do then is show them the importance of never getting to the point where the symbols are played in a way that's shut. And I, what I do is I take two symbols and I make a hi-hat style sound where I just go up and down and stress to them this is not the sound that we want. We never want the symbols to be completely closed at any time or else we're going to get a rotten overall sound. The triangle. People underestimate the triangle. Once again, I, I know that there are going to be people out there who are going to say, no, 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 there's a special way to fill it to the triangle, and I completely understand and get that. The most effective way where the triangle is not going to be spinning all over creation is to simply strike the triangle on the bottom. Yes, I know there are going to be people that say, you, need, you must strike it on the side to get this type of sound, and, and I understand all of that, but when you're dealing with fourth graders and fifth graders and, and, and younger players who sometimes just simply are not coordinated enough, if they simply strike the triangle on the bottom, right on the bottom, and not from underneath, of course, they should be striking it from inside the triangle straight down. And that tip I got from one of the greatest percussion teachers I've, I've ever known. And he was very, very adamant and said, Absolutely, this is the way that should be played in a public school style environment when you're dealing with beginning players so the thing is not spinning all over the place. In terms of the beaters, if you're able to afford beaters that are better than the beaters that have those that rubber on the end, I've seen so many beaters like that. Those beaters are generally, well, they're not generally, they are garbage. They make a lousy sound. If you can try to find a beater which has uh, is made of, of all metal, uh, you're going to do uh, a lot better. And you're going to get a, a better overall uh, sound. With tambourine players, quite simply, make sure that when the students are playing the tambourines, that the tambourines are not held low. Students, again, at a younger age are going to be shorter, but we do want that sound to get out over the entire band. The same goes for the triangle. Make sure that the sound is not going into a stand or into the back of a chair of another student or else the sound will not be heard as clearly. The instrument may need to be a bit more exposed, may need to be held a bit higher, uh, but should not be held higher in the way of, of having a student stand on a chair. We do not want to have that type of issue on our hands.
those are my basic tips. There are other instruments that we could certainly get into, but let's be honest with the situation. There are many elementary schools out there who cannot afford instruments like timpani or marimbas or xylophones. And for all of those reasons, because that that is an issue, I'm not going to get into all of the uh, tips for those particular instruments. I think that this should be hopefully helpful enough for more than enough people out there. And uh, as always, you, you can find uh, lots of information out there uh, to get you going in the right direction with some of these more specialized instruments that are a little more expensive. But for the, the inexpensive instruments that are critical uh, for the, excess, uh, the success of your ensemble, hopefully these tips are helpful in some way. Uh, all the best during this upcoming holiday season.